You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're ticking off a box from the 2024 Reading Glasses Challenge. The first tick. The first box. First tick. First tick of the year. It is a read a book by a non-binary author. Plus, we test out a multi-page bookmark, which I have thoughts about, and solve a problem about recommending older books. But first, Bria, what are you reading? Okay. So, Mallory, I started reading this book, Edenville, a novel by Sam Rebeline. Why does this sound so familiar? It came out last year. It is a horror book. I'm surprised you didn't read it. I was wondering if you had. Someone recommended it to me, and I was like, huh, that sounds really weird. And I'm so—it's— really scary to me. And so I'm having trouble reading it at night. So what I ended oh up God. doing, I had a long drive. So I ended up also getting it on Libro FM. Uh, use code glasses if you go sign up. Um, <laughs> so it's read by Charlie Thurston, who does a great job. But okay, I have two. Th- First of all, let me tell you what it's about. There's a man named Cam, and he published this novel called Shattered Man. And he's not really having, he's having trouble like writing his next one. And it's from his point of view and his girlfriend's point of view. And his girlfriend, it, it, Basically, these people approach him and they're like, we love your book and we want you to come like be a guest lecturer at our university. Like we think your book is so amazing. But this is like a book that didn't sell very well. It's not that big of a book. And his girlfriend's like, what? They want you to come like be an artist in residence at this university. And she's like, but she doesn't know how to say like, I I don't think you're this famous and I don't think your book is this good. That's hilarious. (laughs) And. That's the most horrifying part to me. <laughs> that is the part that, like, I cannot handle. Oh, my God. Sorry, I'm screaming. In a, I, cannot, I cannot handle the part where maybe he's not good enough and she doesn't know how to tell him. And then from there, it just—it's also, like, the town he's being invited to is known for being a little creepy and weird and weird shit happens there. And people are like, oh, them's the breaks. They literally always say, them's the breaks. But it's like, this man was—his face was ripped off in the middle of the night, and no one knows how. And they're like, them's the breaks. Um, and, and the girlfriend's whose name is Quinn, is, like, really weirded out by all of this. Um, and uh, they get there, and she's like, I got to figure out, like— What's going on? This town is really weird. I don't think he deserves to be there, but I don't know how to say it. And um, she goes. And she to gets to the town and she was like, oh, okay, I get it. It's weird. And then, well, then she goes to the library and they're like, oh, you're here to research the town? There's always some woman researching the town because her husband. What? Like, it gets it's so weird and meta. And then he gets there and they, they show up at this house and he's like, oh, I see. This house that we're in is the house from my dream that inspired my book. Anyway, it gets, you think I'm telling you a lot? I'm not actually telling you that much. There's a lot. There's also like- I completely missed this book. It's really good. And I don't know why it's so scary. I think in part it's because this couple can't talk to each other. And I'm like, just tell him you don't think that he deserves to be here. Like you have to tell him because you're now putting yourself in danger because you won't tell him that he's not a good enough, that his book is shitty. Brutal. It's like so brutal. Anyway, I was driving a long way yesterday, and so I was like, I'm just going to see if they have this on Libra FM, which they did, so I listened to it. But have you ever listened, been reading a book, and you start listening to it, and you're like, is this even the same book? Because it feels so different. Yeah. The listen is so different. 
And I don't know what that is. We should do a show about it. It's somehow like... I think it's part of the performance of the audiobook because it's so different from the way that you're reading it to yourself in your head. And in my head, it's really snarky, but the read is less... It's like, it's very, just a different interpretation. Yeah. Like, it's just very like what it is on the page, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I guess is kind of what you have to do. You can't really... It'd be weird to do a snarky read of a book if you that wasn't you the author's intention. <laughs> Which I will say, most of the time, authors do not get to pick or interact with the people who read their audiobook. Which this I think is, is silly. Is great, and the voices they're doing actually they're doing it, they are really good. Um, it's just it's different than what I thought, but. I am riveted, and I was listening to it on the way here. Uh, I was listening to it yesterday. I'm oh. like, I have to find out what happens in this book because I just, like, need this couple to leave this town. Oh I need God. them to leave. It's, it's horrifying. Anyway, what are you reading? Wow. I cannot believe yeah, I, I missed this I think you should have to see I think you would dig it. Edenville? Edenville. Huh. It's weird because there's two books that have the name Eden in them from last year, and I actually started reading the wrong one. The- one of them was the one from Adam Sternberg. Is that the other Eden? Eden something, yeah. Okay. Because I have one. There's one called, I think, called The Other Eden or This Other Eden or something. His, Adam's second book is The Eden Test. Oh, there's another one called This Other Eden by Paul Harding, which I also now have. Why are there so many Eden books? I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I do feel like publishing needs to get together sometimes and be like, like, it's like the the version of the seven and a half whatevers. Yeah, yeah. Publishing needs to all get together and just be like, all right, this is our plan for the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you have something also in this vein, uh, what are you reading? I am reading a book that, has this ever happened to you where you like, you get a book from Libby and you just open it up just to like, just to read a first page, just to make sure you, seems like something you want to read. If not, you'll re-release it back into the ecosystem like a fish. I got this book and I opened it up. I was like, I just want to read a couple pages to see if I'm going to like it. And then suddenly I read two chapters and I didn't know what happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh One of those books. It's called Wild and Distant Seas by Tara Carr Roberts. And I mentioned this in our Anticipated Books episode for January. So folks might have already seen this in the show notes for that one. But it is, I, I, it, it's kind of, it was kind of pitched to me as like kind of a Moby Dick retelling, but it's oh, not yeah. even that. It's but like she uses the events, the starting events of Moby Dick as a jumping off point. Like the book is about this woman um, and she is all alone in the world. It's the mid 1800s in New England and she gets to Nantucket and she needs to figure out like, all right, I need to find a place to stay. I need a job. And she um, ends up meeting this man and getting a job in his restaurant and marrying him. Um, but in the beginning at two of the people who come to this restaurant are Queequeg and Ishmael. Oh, but that's it. Like that. they She doesn't go off. She doesn't join them oh. on the boat. It's just like the same. It's like in the same universe. Oh, as, I see. Yeah, Moby uh-huh, Dick, uh-huh. You know what I mean? In the Moby Dick like universe. We, yeah. It's really interesting. But basically what happens is the event, like her meeting these two characters from Moby Dick sets off a chain of events. And she ends up making these decisions. And the rest of the book is how those choices that she makes ripple through the generations. Hmm. Like it's like, I think it's four generations of women all over the world that like all start with her and so it's like her narrative and then her descendants narrative and it it's, goes from like Nantucket to Brazil to Italy to Idaho and it's like a big saga of and there's a little bit of magical realism to it because she has this power where if she's talking to somebody she can kind of like fudge their memory a little bit mm. like if you had come in the studio today and I, I could be like Oh, Bria, we weren't meant to, we weren't recording today. You'd be like, you're right. We weren't recording uh-huh, today. Uh-huh, cool. So just like a little bit of, just a smidge of like a little little sprinkle of magical realism. But it's so beautifully written. Like it's the kind of writing that you just like 
just sucks you right in. Yeah, I love that. And I'm really enjoying it. So that's a Wild and Distant Seas by Tara Carr Roberts. Another 2024 book. I know. Here you are. Here okay. I am. And mine is Edenville, a novel by <laughs> Sam Rebellion. I quit you. <laughs> Uh, so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Tanya wrote in about book tracking spreadsheets. This feedback made me laugh really hard. Tanya, you're fantastic. Tanya says, I got really excited when you mentioned using a spreadsheet as a reading tracker. So last year we reviewed the Book Riot book tracking spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Tara says, I love playing with my reading spreadsheet so much, and I thought surely you would both be super excited about how fun this is. I was surprised by the sort of lukewarm response, so I went and looked at the Book Riot spreadsheet, and yeah, that's not something to get excited about when that's just the data gathering page. Spreadsheets get interesting when you do stuff with the data. So I wanted to show you how cool it can be when you put your data to good use. I present to you my 2023 personal reading spreadsheet. Yeah, Bria's looking at this right now. I was blown away. I didn't even know spreadsheets could do that. Okay, first of all, Tony reads a lot of books. <laughs> Whoa. What? Now, is this something you can just program spreadsheets to do? Well, read the read the second part of this because I think that's okay. part of what this is. Okay. The most visual page, obviously, is the dashboard. I have gauges that tell me whether I'm on track to meet various reading goals and a pie chart to show uh, some statistics about my reading. Another useful page is the challenges tab where I keep track of reading challenges that I'm participating in this year. I've added graphs there to show how much of the challenge I've read, how much is in progress, and how much I've yet to begin. Whenever I start a new book, I take a couple of minutes to update my Goodreads page and add the book and its data to my spreadsheet. Then I get automatically updated visual representations of my progress and reading profile. It's all super nerdy, but my reading spreadsheet is one of my favorite toys. So this is the kind of, you know how in some books when a a character from the olden times comes across a technology that is so impressive that it's like magic. That's <laughs> that, what this is. To I feel me. like that too. I mean, it's like literally there's settings, high charts, yeah, few, which color coded things. Like I didn't even know spreadsheets could do this. I, the only problem is I feel like this would require you and I to learn a skill of making spreadsheets. I bet it's not that hard. I'm now I'm like just impressed with with her reading. This blew my face off. Oh, wow. We can't even see her TBR. Um, well, hopefully we're allowed to just link to this because we should let everyone take a I, look. I'll ask her because I don't know if she wants the general public to, to see this, but it is, I've never seen a spreadsheet like this. I didn't know spreadsheets could do this. I thought a spreadsheet was just a spreadsheet. Wow. Very, very yeah, impressive. Tanya, if even I had like something like this, source? I would get excited about it too. I didn't even know this was po- a possibility. Yeah, this is amazing. This is actually quite amazing. I'm very impressed. Um, and you're, you're right. It would make, oh my gosh. Well, I just want to let you know that she also has a pace where she writes down the number of books that she does by the day, which is a lot. Anyway, yes, it's very impressive. Holy shit. And then we got this really fun bookseller email. Jasper wrote in to say, just wanted to pop in and say, every time you mention T.L. Huchu's Edinburgh Night series, I light up inside as I'm an ex-bookseller in Edinburgh who helped to hand sell a lot of copies of the first ah. book. I mean, me and Jasper clearly need to be best friends. You do. You do. <laughs> uh, Jasper says, when you're reading the second book and the characters get coffee from Jasper's, which I do remember, that's me. Whoa. I'm so glad that you're supporting this wonderful book. And Mallory, I adore the Lady from the Black Lagoon. Jasper, thank you so much. Bria, you want to read Jasper's Wheelhouse? Yes. Jasper's Wheelhouse is anything horror, fiction, and nonfiction. I have a penchant for morbid nonfiction 
fast-paced reads, found family, supernatural thrillers, and queer romances. I love it. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And then reminder that this Saturday, February 13th, is our readathon. Big Glasser bookmarks this week. Join us at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Saturday for a Instagram live that Bria and I are going to kick off the readathon with. And then we're going to read for eight hours. We're going to do regular check-ins on Instagram. So the night before, maybe right now, if you're listening to it when the, this episode comes out, pick out your stack of books, pick out your snacks, get ready. It's going to be super fun. It's really just an excuse to read all day and hang out with your friends, Mallory and Bria. It is going to be a blast. Again, that's this Saturday, February 13th. And if you want to get a head start and read something that a bunch of glasses are going to be reading, you can read Starling House by Alexi e. Harrow. That was the book that the glassers in the Slack channel and in the email voting, it was the clear winner. We're very excited. It's a book that neither Bria and I read last year, mostly because I got a PDF. Oh, yep. That's right. Mallory did not want to convert, it. but I'm excited to read it. And I, I'm so pumped about it. We love Alex e. Harrow. I love this the cover of this book and it's a haunted house book that I didn't read. We are rectifying this great wrong that I have done to myself last year. So excited. At the end of February, we're going to be doing a Glasser book club via Zoom for members for Starling House. If you want to get a head start, starting it on the readathon would be perfect. So before we recommend books by non-binary authors, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Green Chef. What is Green Chef? It's a CCOF certified meal kit company, and it makes eating, well, easy with plans that fit into every lifestyle. That's keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free. Listen, I'm all those. I'm some of those combined. Depends on the day of the week. And Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit all your preferences, including my complicated ones. So with Green Chef, you can elevate your everyday wellness with the number one meal kit for clean eating and discover new gut-friendly recipes each week. So there are these new gut and brain health recipes. They're developed in partnership with registered dietitians that improve digestion, reduce bloat, as well as boost energy and immunity. And can I just say, this may be TMI, but I am always looking for a way to reduce the bloat. I just feel like every time I eat, I'm like, oh, why do I feel gross afterwards? Why do I feel like I shouldn't have put that in my body? Well, that is not the way you feel after Green Chef. And I can attest that when I got my Green Chef this month, they sent us a box. It's very nice. I wanted to try these gut and brain health recipes. And I got some really, really great meals that made me feel good. I had this like kale salad. I had uh, this cauliflower. It was like some really delicious stuff that I wouldn't have made at home because they send you all these cute little things where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm all, I am going to toast some almonds. I am going to put some some fun stuff on here that I don't just have at the house. You know, I'm not I don't have these like nice dressings that I'm that I'm massaging into my kale at home. It's nice to get them. They tell you how to do it and it's quick and it's easy. They send you all sorts of farm fresh ingredients like figs, dates, artichokes, sustainably sourced seafood. Anything you're looking for, they're going to have. If you haven't tried Green Chef, I think it is such a good time if you're trying to eat healthy, if you are just a busy person or if you're just like me where I'm just sort of tired of cooking all the time. I want someone to like make that decision for me so that the food is there. I don't have to choose what I'm cooking. I can just like, I'm ready to go. And Green Chef can get that going for you. So go to greenchef.com slash 60 glasses and use code 60 glasses to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. Y'all, that's a lot. 60 glasses. 
the Eurovision Song Contest. Hundreds of millions of people watch it every year. It played a part in the democratic revolution in Portugal. It introduced the world to Riverdance, and it launched Celine Dion's career. But you might have never watched it. It's got so much history and so many storylines that it can feel overwhelming to get into. Mm-hmm. It's like a real housewife season, but everyone's a better singer. Well, sometimes. But that's where we come in. I'm Dimitri Pompey. I'm Oscar Montoya. And I'm Jeremy Bent, and we're the hosts of Eurovangelists. If you're new to Eurovision, we'll tell you everything you need to know to start enjoying the world's most important song competition. And if you're already a fan, we'll dive deep on its wildest moments, like when Ireland sends a turkey puppet to sing for them. Eurovangelists. New episodes every Thursday. On MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. We're ticking off a box on the 2024 Reading Glasses, 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 Glasses Challenge. Got to add a new one for a new year. <laughs> Read a book by a non-binary author. We are going to recommend some of our favorites and talk about how we're completing this part of the challenge. First box on the New Year Challenge. Also, we want to remind folks, we have done an episode about this, but usually when an author wants to have their identity known by readers their gender identity they'll include that information on their website or their social media some authors do it in the bio in the back of their book some of them do it in their instagram or twitter profile uh some of them just have it in their about me section on their website if not they might not want to share it publicly or have their books categorized as such you probably shouldn't go around emailing authors asking what their gender identity are yeah. uh, we recommend focusing on authors who share that information with the world yeah and and want their books to be, again, categorized in that way. So, Bria, what book are you choosing for this part of the challenge? Well, I'm about, I would say, I, I had a couple on my list. And this one, I'm over halfway through. It's a short story book. It is Homesick by Nino Cipri. Oh, you I, love this author. I know, and I didn't know it came out. Like, I actually, this totally was under the radar, and I was like, oh, I wonder, because uh, Nina Sipri wrote two novellas that take place in Ikea's. Defect <laughs> like, and uh, Finna? Yeah, and I think they're both really fun. I've recommended them both on the show multiple times, and they're both sci-fi, and these are all wonderful sci-fi short stories. This is such a wonderful short story book. I cannot recommend it enough because I'm about halfway through. Actually, I'm more than halfway through because I think all I have left is like what is basically a novella at the end. So it's a bunch of short stories and then a novella at the end. If I had read this the year it came out, it would be on my top of the year. Wow. It is so good. And it is obviously very inclusive, which is really nice. Like the story, I'm reading the novella part right now, which is about a person who discovered this race of like ferret muskrats that are the size of people. What? Uh, like, and, and they found they found like evidence of this, so they become like really famous uh, because they're like, it turns out like that there's this race of giant, you know, marmots or whatever. What's a marmot? Is that a, is that a thing? I, I, think, uh, <laughs> I think that's a thing that you say down south. Uh, I see. Uh, I think I think marmot's an actual animal. A marmot. Oh, Maybe I'm thinking of varmint. A varmint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a real, like, Yosemite Sam. Yosemite Sam word. <laughs> anyway. Bria's here with with her 10-gallon hat. <laughs> no, I'm, oh, and a I marmot keep, is And I is keep shooting of... my guns at this, into the sky. <laughs> Mallory hates it. There's one that is, like, all about this woman. She's cleaning a house, and she finds an ocean behind behind a couch. She moves a couch and she's like, oh, there's an ocean back here. And there, I, there's just like so many good stories. There's one that's kind of scary, Mallory, you'd really like about a place that's been haunted and the wraiths like live among people and every person has their own little curse and one guy's like coughing up keys. Yeah. It's amazing. It's very, very thought-provoking, very creative. Um, hot marmot 
info. A marmot <laughs> is called, is a medium sized rodent. Sometimes it's called a, sometimes it's a, a groundhog. Oh, oh, sometimes it's a whistle pig. That <laughs> sometimes it's a ground squirrel, which is um, what we have. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> which we have up the mountain. What do you have? Ground squirrel. Ground squirrels. Yeah. Or a rock chuck. <laughs> the fuck? Uh, is a marmot a varmint? Uh, I think I think so because I think a varmint is just anything that's like not like a creature you don't want around. That's a varmint. Like a so all marmots can be varmints, <sighs> but not all varmints are marmots. Yeah, it says a, a varmint is a troublesome wild animal. Yeah, it depends on do you like do you like your rock chucks or do you dislike your rock chucks? Anyway, anyway, loving it. Sounds great. Telling you, I think it came out. I think it came out in 2019, and I I swear it would have been on my it would have been on my top of the year. I love it so much. It's so amazing. Uh, what are you planning on reading? I'm doing a book called Lake Lore by Anna Marie Mclemore. It's a YA book. It's about these two. This one teen that is trans, one teen that's non-binary, and they get pulled into a mysterious world under a lake in their town. Fun. It's. I mean, is it fun? Or is it bad? It's fun. Okay. It's like a magical. <laughs> like they. And it's kind of like in this town, there was always like this kind of like local legend that there's like a world under the local lake and these two teens find it, but they can't, they have a hard time showing it to anybody that's like really kind of only opens to them and something happens. I won't say anything, but seven years later, things from that world, that lake world start to cross over and drift to the surface of the lake. And if these two teens want to prevent their secrets from coming to light, the two of them need to reconcile their broken friendship and work together. And I I talked in a previous episode about how much I love uh, something happened and now we have to get the band back together and return to the place where it happened. Oh, yeah. uh And this is like that. I'm I'm like three or four chapters in, but it's great so far. Mm. All right. Now let's recommend some other books by non-binary authors that we have already read. Tried and true and tested books from the Reading Glasses Hall of Fame. Bria, what is the first uh, book and author you want to recommend? I'm going to recommend River Solomon, who does like weird fiction slash like speculative fiction slash like science fiction. My favorite of theirs is Unkindness of Ghosts, which is science fiction that explores structural racism and generation ships, like spaceships, like that are up in the sky for generations. I've I've talked about this a lot on the show Mm -hmm. and I feel like I retired it, but I'm bringing it back. Listen, you can't go wrong. They all come back. We all always circle back. (laughs) Um, So I think like this book is like space dystopia. They also had a book called Sorrowland a couple of years ago that one of my friends is reading and he was like, this book is amazing because it's body horror and also like an exploration of like, being othered and queerness and racial identity. So it's like there's all, and and racism, there's, like, they are just really good at taking science fiction, doing what science fiction does best, which is making an interesting point through the use of science fiction, right? Exploring these big themes through science fiction. But I'm going on Kindness of Ghosts because it just really blew me away and I've recommended it so many times in the show and I'll, fuck it, gonna keep recommending it. Gonna keep talking about it. Hell yeah! No What's your first? Up. No one can stop us. It's our show. What? What? What is your first one? Uh, I also have to shout out another Glasser favorite, Reading Glasses I, Hall of I Fame. I literally was like, can I also recommend a book by this person? Yeah, but Sarah I, but Gailey. I didn't. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you recommend. Friend of the show. Uh, we talk about their books all the time. So mm-hmm. I want to m- mention something that we haven't talked about on the show is their comics. Uh, they have a comic called Eat the Rich with artist P.S. Bach, and which it finally came out in trade last year. I know a lot of people like to wait for the trade. Oh, I think I read uh, Individual. Yes. So, yeah, I'll have to get the trade. 
Um, it's a horror slash thriller about this woman who goes to the summer home of her boyfriend's rich family and discovers that they have a secret that's a little cannibally. It is very dark and also kind of like, it's like so over the top and funny and, and wild and just like, you just can't go wrong with Sarah Gailey. Mm-hmm. Like you just, like you could put a pile of their books and just throw a rock and whichever book you hit is going to be incredible. And this one, if you've read all of their novels and novellas, get get in get in on their 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 comics. Mm-hmm. Uh this one is is great for for people who are into into horror, a lot of social commentary. Um it's great. Uh what is your next one? My next shout out is Pet by Akweke Amezi. I've read a few of their books, but this one really stuck out to me. It is about a black trans girl who lives in a world in which all monsters have been defeated. There's no more monsters, or so everyone thinks. They? And then something happens, and there is a monster. And um, you get to see it from the point of view of this little girl. And I know you've also read a couple of their books, but this one really stuck out to me and is one I haven't got to talk about on the show recently. So it's that, a good one. That's a fun I read one. this one, and I read Freshwater. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, but this one I liked. I mean, there are you, another author you can't go wrong with, but I really like this one. Yeah. Also because I love monsters. Mm, yeah. What's your next one? Uh, the next book I talked about a while ago, um, and I picked it because it's oh, got yeah. a lot of glasser nip in mm, it. Okay, go on. It's The 30 Names of Night by Zen Yukadar. And it's first off, it's a bird book. Can't go wrong with a bird book. Second, it's about a teenager whose ornithologist mother was killed in a mysterious fire years before, and he finds this journal belonging to a famous ornithologist who disappeared mysteriously just like his mother Hmm. and realizes that both his mother and this other famous ornithologist encountered the same bird right before they died or disappeared. It's a bird mystery. It's a bird mystery. Uh It's bird mystery, plus there's a lot about... Uh, the trans experience, the main character is trans, and, like, the queer community. It takes place in New York City. It's just a great read. And, again, it's just chock full of glass or nip. Mm-hmm. It's like it, there's a little trail of treats leading the glassers to this book. And uh, I think people will really, really like it. Uh, where is your next one? Well, I love Jeremy Shipp, and they are my next author pick. And I'd love to shout out the book I optioned, Think Atrocities, but I won't <laughs> do that shameless self-promotion. So I'll do their most recent book, which is called The Mary Dredgers. I don't think not... you've gotten to talk to the, about this one on the show. I don't know if I have. And it has about a lot of glass or nip in it as well. It's about a woman whose sister was in an accident that seems very suspicious. And she's like, I just don't think that actually happened. that's happened. And she goes and has to investigate this cult that's living in an abandoned amusement park, which I feel like is something Glasser's like, is cults and amusement parks. Yes. And she has to find out what really happened to her sister. And there's all these, like, very cool details about the amusement park and the, like, the rides and the th- places that the cult are all, they all live there at this abandoned amusement park. And that is a super fun, very fun location. Uh, yeah, I don't know why we haven't talked about this one on the show. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. Great. It's super fun. Uh, what is your next one? Uh, I have another gla- very glassery book. Um, it's The Heartbreak Bakery by A.R. Capetta. This has been on my list for a long time. Yeah, I think you'd like it. I've also read uh, The Lost Coast by them, which is a like Pacific Northwest sort of um, more spooky, uh, witchy kind of thing. Uh, but this one is a queer magical food book, which I don't need to say wow. anything else. Big glasser, big glasser energy. It's a story about this queer-owned, queer-run bakery in Austin, Texas, which I just got back from. Uh, whose products have magical powers. Ooh. Like they're breakup brownies. And uh, what do, do you, what happens? You eat them and you break up with somebody? Yes. If, oh. you're, if you eat them and you're with someone, you immediately want to break up with them. Wow. 
Why uh, did you get those? Did you do it on purpose? No. And that's the thing. Like, she, the main character, when, when they first make these brownies, don't realize that that's what's I see, I see. happening at first. Got it. Uh, it's just extremely cute and fun. And, again, this is class or nip. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your next one? Oh, I co-signed this one. Um, well, I didn't have a nonfiction writer on here, so I thought I should do one, and I got to talk about their books last week, so I was like, oh, I'll just bring bring Annalie Newitz up again, uh, which can't is... Can't go wrong with that. You can't. Uh, my next one is Four Lost Cities, A Secret oh, History of the Urban book. Age by Annalie Newitz. So Annalie Newitz writes fiction, and we love their fiction, and they've been on the show talking about fiction, but also they write history, history books, and science, science articles. Yeah, Straight they started out as a science, science writer. articles. Yeah, can you believe... Yeah, can you believe that? And books. And they basically go through the rise and fall of four ancient cities and talk about, like, what happened with them and research that reveals, like, how they were living, um, how the environment was changing when they were around, the political turmoil of these places. I'm not describing it well, but it's just really interesting to get into the cultures of these places and, like, sort of what happened to these ancient civilizations and why these giant civilizations fell. Yeah, that's what's so interesting is, like, this— I'm sure when the people who are living in these civilizations are like, this is, we live in this great massive city, you know, in this huge, this a huge part of the culture and would think they would ne- like nothing would ever happen to them. Mm-hmm. And they did. They're completely wiped out. Yeah. Like, it's so it's, they write science and history in such a, in a way that is very, very, very compelling. And uh-huh. it shouldn't be because it's very dense material. Yeah. But they are just such a skilled writer that you like. It's very accessible. It's very accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is which is really fun. God, it made me when you're talking. I was like, "Is that us? Is that going to be us? We're we're the civilization that falls." A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's your last pick? <laughs> My last pick is another author. I've talked about a bunch on the show, but I don't remember. Maybe I did talk about this when I started reading it. Uh, I think it's you a novel because I w- I want to read it too. It's a novella, so we love a short book. Mm. It's called "The Salt Grows Heavy" by Cassandra Kaw. And if you're a genre reader, you definitely should be reading them. I love their book, um, Nothing But Black and Teeth, which is a haunted house book. And this is a mermaid story, scary mermaid story. This one in particular is like, a, it's just like, this book is a great introduction to Cassandra Kaw because it's it's so short. It's a novella. It's about a murderous mermaid and a plague doctor who have to pair up to survive a creepy forest full of bloodthirsty children. So there's just like a buffet of horror delights happening in this. Even though it's a short book, there's just so much going on. It's such, it's so bonkers and it's such a blast. And they like Cassandra Kaw has like a very very specific writing style mm-hmm. that is like it's so interesting because it's very verbose and like very well articulated and eloquent. They're like they use a lot of like a lot of big words, but their work is so short at the same time that it's like you're getting this experience of reading. It just feels like so densely packed in a good way, mm. like eating, you know, those cookies that are like trail cookies and they're like cookies with like granola and dried fruit and stuff in them. OK. And it's like a hearty cookie to help you on your tra- on your trails. Like this book is like that. Like <laughs> You're getting that experience of getting like very verbose beautiful prose but in a smaller package that doesn't feel overwhelming or intimidating in any way Mm -hmm. best of both worlds so fantastic these are our recommendations we'd love to hear what you're going to be reading for this part of the challenge you can send your thoughts to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com before we test out a multi-page bookmark we're going to take a quick break (music) 
Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Dipsy. You ever find yourself just wanting to get away from the routine of, of daily life? Maybe you want to indulge in a steamy fantasy world filled with hundreds of sexy stories on Dipsy designed to turn you on whatever your fantasy is. So Dipsy, y'all know we love it. It's an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. And they bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. And you can discover stories about basically anything you want. Second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories. If, you know, we know you guys are big readers. We know y'all are big readers, and this could be another place for you to get more reading in. Listen, we know our audience loves Dipsy. We love Dipsy. We love how positive it is. Maybe you want a little escape. Maybe you just want a new part of your routine. Maybe you're just looking to spice things up. Whatever you're looking for, Dipsy is going to help you find that. So for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash glasses. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash glasses. Dipsystories.com slash glasses. Glasses. I'm Jordan Cruciola, host of Feeling Seen, where we start by asking our guests just one question. What movie character made you feel seen? I knew exactly what it was. Clementine from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Joy Wang slash Jobu Tupaki. That one question launches amazing conversations about their lives, the movies they love, and about the past, present, and future of entertainment. Roy in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I worry about what this might say about me, but I've brought Tracy Flick in the film Election. So if you like movies, diverse perspectives, and great conversations, check us out. Oof, this is real. New episodes of Feeling Seen drop every week on MaximumFun.org. Time to look at some book tech, advances in bookish technology. This week's book tech was sent in by a glasser, but it had no name. So thank you very much. Hopefully you will know who you are. It is billed as a Bible bookmark. So we're definitely not the immediate target audience for this, but it is a small. So the, the actual bookmark part is about the size of a Triscuit. Yeah, it's small. Very small. It's a small piece of rectangular leather. And there's four very long ribbons coming off the top in different colors. I assume the four ribbons are meant to mark different Bible sections. The thing is, you can use this with any book. You can. They're not going to stop you. Mm -hmm. There's nothing they can do. Yeah. So, Bria, we tested this out. What did you think? Well, okay. At first, I was like, what do I need this for? (laughs) Like, why would I need this? You know what I started thinking about? When I was a kid, I read Choose Your Own Adventures. (gasps) And I always want to go back to where I made the last decision. So I'm so like, oh, I'm going to go back to this last decision. Like, and I keep my finger there. So that way, if I made the, a poor decision, Please, I could go back. God, you are a genius. And that, for that alone, this gives a five out of five. <laughs> because if well, you are um, a kid doing, or an adult, doing a choose your own adventure, which by the way, an author we like. I was just going to say, Pong Shepard has a choose your own adventure book coming out soon. Amazing. That's what I sent this to Mallory and it looks like a choose. I couldn't tell it really was, it's but it looked like it, it was. And yeah. this would be perfect. I, I would not even, you were a fucking genius. Wouldn't that be great? Oh my God. Because I otherwise was like, I don't need all these ribbons. Like what do, except, I mean, it's kind of pretty. It is pretty. You know who needs all those ribbons? 
our cats. Yeah, the cats, I'm sure, like it. Aesthetically, this gets very high stars. It's very cute. At, at high pages. Sorry, we don't do stars here. Let's not be wild. Uh, <laughs> pages. And then, and so for aesthetics, and but usability, I was like, I just don't think it's a useful bookmark until I realized that. Yes. What about you? What, what is your opinion? Obviously, I'm not a Bible reader. We all know this no. here in reading glasses. But I could see it being very useful for either high fantasy or nonfiction readers or anyone who wants to flip back to things. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you want to leave one ribbon on the family tree page. Maybe you want to, like there's a page that like here is someone's explaining all the different houses, you know, and you mm -hmm. want to leave a marker there. Yeah, okay. So you can flip back to it if you need it. And, you know, so and then you have one page, one ribbon on the page you're currently reading. Because I don't read a lot of Choose Your Own Adventure books, um, even though I wrote one, <laughs> this isn't really for me, but I can tell you that you do have to be careful because the cats love these. Lula locked into this like a, like a military grade missile. Yeah. She was like, like, you know, when cats look at something and you see their pupils get real big, <laughs> Lula looked at this and was like, that is mine. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. She wanted this so Some bad. Good cat toy, bad bookmark. I mean, it has, it's a bookmark with a very specific purpose. Yeah. Like, bookmark is a very specific set of skills. Fully <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson bookmark. I'm going to give it a four out of five pages. Like, it does the job. Yeah. But the thing with all the ribbons is they might get tangled or kind of yeah. confusing. And, like, a paperclip or a book tab might do the job. Same job of marking pages. Mm -hmm. But if you want it all in the same thing, uh, and you, I mean, it is, this is much cuter than the, those little book tabs. Yeah, I agree. It is cute. It's yeah. pretty. Again, aesthetics, high high marks. But it's going to sit in a drawer till you need it. You yes. know? Like, it's not going to be when for you need book. it, it oh, is there. Baby. Yeah. It is Keep it behind glass. You break the glass. You get this bookmark. <laughs> yeah, I will, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. But um, again, this is this this for regular reading. I don't think you need this. But if mm. you have a very specific purpose, it is fucking perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So you can send your book tech ideas to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Or you can check out the link in the show notes and send us some more cool stuff to test out. Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Whitney writes in, Hi, Brian Mallory. I'd love to hear your thoughts on a reader problem I don't quite know how to approach. How do you suggest pitching a backlist book to someone that you really love but hasn't totally held up to today's societal standards? One of my favorite books is The Secret History by Donna Tartt, which has, by today's standards, a few unsavory references to gayness and some racial language that wouldn't casually fly today. These are blips made mostly by an unlikable character, but overall has turned some people away from the book when I've recommended it. How do you approach books that are still worth experiencing to others when you know that they aren't totally meeting language standards of today? This book is so beautiful in its prose and characters that my partner and I usually read it every single fall, but I feel stuck and not confident in actually handing my copy over to others. Others. Also, thank you for your show and for highlighting the reader who shared about the Silent Book Club. I run a lesbian bar in Chicago called Dorothy, and starting this September, we're kicking off our own chapter. Oh, oh, that's so fucking cool. Our first event has over 50 RSVPs of introverted queer readers who just want to be in a space with each other while reading. I love this. Very cute. Uh, Bria, you want to read Whitney's Wheelhouse? Yes. It is uh, books about art and artists, multi-dimensions, queer characters, duh, fantastic realism, incredible poetic prose, and references to early 2000s pop punk and emo culture. I also like that. Uh, Bria, all right. What do we think Whitney should do trying to recommend these books? Okay. It is a conundrum. I think exactly what you said is worth saying, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's always worth giving someone a heads up about anything, content warnings, 
et cetera, particularly if you know them and you know what bothers them. Like, for example, I'm always going to give Mallory a heads up if there's a snake in a book. Yes, please. You know, Thank like, you. I just, like, I'm going to I'm gonna let Mallory know. I, but that's that's what I would say, look, it's a great book. This was written in a different era, though. Or just, you know, there's a character who's a piece of shit and they say shitty stuff. I don't think it's the opinion of the author, you know, mm-hmm. which we've come across that a few times. Yes. Uh, where there's a, there's a character who sucks. There are things here that may be potentially harmful in this book. But the book itself is great. And then people are adults. It's yeah. up to them to decide. And maybe sometimes you're not an adult and you get assigned this kind of stuff in class because that happened to all of us. We read mm-hmm. stuff that potentially was not great when we were in sure. school and yep. it was assigned to us. And we were able to deal with it even then as teenagers. But I think, look, if you give them the heads up, I think it's fine because I think you're just saying, this, this, there's some stuff in here that's kind of unsavory, but I do think it's an amazing book and like it's one of my favorite books, you know, and so if you can get past that stuff, I think it's worth reading. But if these people read it and they're like, it's not worth reading to me anymore, they don't have to read it. No. You're not sitting there making them read it. Are you? What do you think, Mallory? I think most readers that you're recommending a book to should understand. Mm. I mean, everybody that I know who is a, an avid reader or a semi-avid reader, I mean, it's the same thing with movies, right? I think, like, most people who care about social justice nowadays, most people who are on the at least a similar page to you when it comes to values are going to understand what you, like, like you said, exactly what Whitney says. Like, hey, I really love this story, but there's stuff in here that hasn't aged well. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's not the point of view of the author, but it's, you know, someone has characterized a villainous character by having them say, you know, a bad word. All of Stephen King. All of Stephen <laughs> King. Yes. Um, all you have to, you know, all you have to do is include the caveat, as you told us. It's an older book with some dated language, uh, but you still really love it and recommend it. And you can look at it with nuance. You know, if someone doesn't want to read it, that's fine. Like, it, it, like there's certain things that might put people off. But most people understand that language evolves mm-hmm. and and have the media literacy to understand when an author is using language to show that somebody is a villain. There's a book that I recommended uh, last year, I think it was, or a book I was reading. I did really like it. It's called Come Closer by Sarah Gran. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, the author uses the F word from the main character. But the main character is a piece of shit. And she's trying to... When you're saying the F word, you don't mean fuck. No, I mean... Yes, I know now. Yes. I was like, okay, the bad we say F that word. word. We, we say love, fuck. It's the good F word, which we say all the time, <laughs> and then the evil F word, okay, which is very bad. Yeah. But the author has that character say that word as a way of expressing that they're a garbage person. Yeah. And even though it was written in the 90s, like, this, it's very clear that, like, this character sucks and yeah. is awful. Mm-hmm. And I understand where maybe you've had a bad experience with that word mm-hmm. and you're like, I just can't handle that. But at the same time, like, even today in this world, people need to understand that shitty people still say stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So there's Very much. So authors and artists and filmmakers should, if they can handle it in a way that is nuanced and is using it to characterize people who are bad, like those words mm-hmm. are still being used. And right. I will fight you if I hear you use that word. But it's 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 still out there. So yes, uh, you I understand where people might like that might put off somebody, but like it's also yeah. it's still a thing. Yeah. It's still a real thing in the world and Very it's much so. fucking awful. Yeah. See that's the good F word. <laughs> <laughs> but and most readers understand that like there are bad people out there mm-hmm. and they they t- say terrible things. And also, you know, even 10 years ago, like remember uh, a few episodes ago, I was talking about how in the 
jacket copy for a book, someone, uh, the publisher, like the marketing team for that book in like 2014, use some ableist language. Mm -hmm. Like people just were fucking ignorant about this stuff. You know, people yeah, didn't yeah, yeah, care yeah. about it as much. Yeah. It was not a priority. I will tell you the first time for the first time ever, I just finished the copy edits for a new book that I have coming out next year. Got bumped, but it's coming out next year. Congrats, um, though. Very excited. But it's the very first time I've ever seen, and maybe it's because I had used a, I think I used the word idiot, mm -hmm. which people are, we're, we're all trying to get away from using. Mm. Uh, and it was the very first time it had been flagged in my copy edit pass as something that might be considered ableist. Oh, I see. Okay. And that even, even a few years ago, that would not have been the case. I think even two years ago. Yes. So it's just language evolves. It does. It does. And yeah. I think a lot of readers need to give people the benefit of the doubt most of the time. There, I mean, there's authors out there who are pieces of shit. There's, every, <laughs> ton, there's, there's tons of, there's people of, of make all kinds of stuff that are garbage people. But mm -hmm. I, I think, Whitney, you're, you're doing your best. And if you give a caveat, but also I, I think most readers too, if you're reading a book from, I think when did Secret History come out? 1990, I think in the early nineties, if you were consuming a piece of media from the nineties, you are probably aware from the get-go that there's some language in there that is not going to fly today. Like when we all used to use the word gay as a derogatory term. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at when it came out. It came out in 92. Yeah. So again, I think it, it, you, it's, you got to hold both pieces. Like yeah. most people understand that that stuff is yeah. not okay. Not, not okay anymore and, and very harmful and causes harm to the people who it was used against, you know? And I think, like, look, if you're a person who's getting this suggestion and you're like, oh, that does really bother me, don't read the book. Yeah. You don't have to read the book. Like, and you don't, and the person that they're recommending it to also, they need to know that, yeah, that may keep some people from reading the book and that's okay too. And that's okay too. Yeah. And it's like, if you, again, had a bad experience with that word or it just, it takes you out of the book, it makes you, you have a reaction to it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. That's that's perfectly understandable. You don't have to read this book. On the flip side, because I can see a lot of people being like, oh, the secret history, it's like a classic. I really should read it, but it's really bothering me. No, you don't fucking have to do I that. There's, there's other classics out there that don't have that material in it, mm -hmm. you know, and it's it's okay. It's Everything is okay, mm -hmm. except for the F word. That's not okay. <laughs> I will fight you. It's it, It's all about, you know, having nuance and media literacy and being able to... Like, Whitney, you're not a bad person because you still like this book. Right. But you have to give people the option that they might not want to read that. And that's, that's tough. It's okay. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, big thanks to our friends over at the Facebook group who moderate it and keep it going. We really, really appreciate you over there. And folks, if you appreciate us and you want to help feed Bria's foster dogs, they're really cute. And they're very hungry. You can go to our Reading Glasses Void Merch store. There's a link in the show notes. There's all kinds of fun stuff in there. There's journals, pillows. A Why would you not want a sticker that says, my other car is a TBR pile? Very funny. I have that sticker. We came up with it, or Sean came up with it. Mm -hmm. And I still laugh about it constantly. There's a link in the show notes. Check it out. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice. It will take you 30 seconds in the mobile app and really make a difference for us and warm our hearts. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast. On Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for reading. For reading. Maximum Fun. A Workaround Network of artist-owned shows. 
supported directly by you.